0: Socrates, Plato, Rocky Balboa, for those of you who don't know who Rocky Balboa is, he was a philosopher in the 1970s and 80s. Four different volumes that he uh, handed over to the world. He said, I've got gaps, Adrian's got gaps, but together we ain't got no gaps. We're uncomfortable with gaps. We're uncomfortable with all kinds of gaps. Silence is a gap. It's amazing how much can happen during a 30-second timeout in a basketball game. I mean, it's incredible. I've seen basketball games where there's more going on, more acrobatics going on in a 30-second timeout than the entire first half, right? I know somebody who, uh, if there's silence in a conversation, he'll start whistling, right? That's funny. Those of you who are in small groups or Sunday school classes or in any kind of discussion, silence is really important. Alexander Pope said, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Silence is so important. In in a small group setting especially, there's always, sometimes in a small group there's the talker, you know what I'm talking about? You know that person, right? There's there's a little bit of silence and there's an awkwardness to it. And sometimes the the small group leader is using that silence to draw out somebody who hasn't spoken or to get you to think. Silence is so important. Gaps in life are so vital to our spiritual growth, to our trust, to a deepening sense of God's presence. When something happens like what has happened the last couple weeks in this community, it opens a gap, and so often we're ready to rush into it with words. To make sense of it, we're uncomfortable with it. We want to fix it. We need to take care that we don't rush in where angels fear to tread. We don't want to back away either. Those are the two things we tend to do. We tend to back away and we can isolate people who are in crisis and in grief. We don't want to do that. But we don't want to rush in where angels fear to tread. We don't want to rush in with words. How to be present with people experiencing the deepest difficulties of life when words are not enough. How do we do that? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Hear God's word this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. I kind of backed up there to let you know who's saying this. This is Paul and Timothy writing to the Corinthian church. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, The Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that, so that, it's really important, why does he comfort us in our affliction? Not just for ourselves, but so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we are abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experienced when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is for you, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Let's pray together. God bless this word now, not only that we may understand it in our heads, but believe it in our hearts and live it through our hands. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. What do you say when words are not enough? What do you say? What do you do? when words and even deeds are not enough. Let's talk about what God does in the gaps when we do not rush people past them. What God is able to do in the gaps of life when we decide we're not going to rush people past them. First is this. We don't want to rush people past the humility of a gap because in the humility of a gap is where God meets us to give us what we can only receive when we're humble. Don't rush past the humility of a gap because in that place of humility is where we receive. It's where we receive. About 18 months ago, Beth and I were able to go to, uh, to uh, New York City and, and see the uh, 9-11 memorial. First time I'd, I'd seen it. And you know, the most uh, uh, amazing and profound decision they made about that memorial was to leave the footprints of the buildings, the two towers. Open spaces. There's humility, wasn't there? There was a great deal of humility after 9-11-2001. The great financial strength the symbols of our great financial strength were brought all the way low and we stood wondering what was next and in that place of humility all kinds of things emerged it doesn't it doesn't mean that that everyone who lost their life that that was the purpose of it it doesn't mean that that makes it better it means that in humility there are things that are going on that we should not rush rush past And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to step into there to make sense of it with words, and we need to take care that we do not rush in where angels fear to tread, where God alone is at work, and God alone is capable to meet people there. So often in my my life, the most important things that, that God has done in my life have been in those places where no one can answer the difficult question. And I needed to stay there in that place And let him speak peace that passes understanding. So sometimes we rush in and we say funny things. It's it's funny when we look back on it. It's not funny in the moment when the person is hurting. So funny strange, not funny, ha. -ha, Okay? Here's some of the things we say. He's in a better place. Better to say, I'm so sorry. To step into a moment and to try to tell somebody that he's in a better place when they're still even numb, when they they can't even make sense of what's going on. You're trying to tell the person that they should not grieve. Don't do this. Let people grieve. Second thing we try to say is we say, well, it it was just his time. It was just her time. Instead, it's better just to say, we will miss him. Let them know just how much you cared about that person. Sometimes we say this, uh, there's a reason for everything. Thank you very much. No thank you. A reason is a cold answer to a hot problem. There's no reason that can help somebody's hurt. There's no reason That can help somebody's sorrow. There's no reason that can fill the gap of grief. But as Pascal says, the heart finds its reasons of which reason cannot speak. The heart finds its reason of which reason cannot speak. What is the peace that passes understanding? It's when God meets us in a place that is unspeakable. Sometimes we'll say this, in order, to, uh, in order to connect with somebody and tell them that we empathize with them, we'll say, I know how you feel. And I've actually heard somebody say, I know how you feel when they lost a child because I lost a pet last year. People, we, we try, and we mean well, and sometimes when, I, when somebody loses somebody, I will get in early and I'll say, people are going to say things to you and just receive it as though they mean well. Uh, because we, we do, we mean well. And we want people to feel better. We want to be with them, there in their hurt. And, we can, and it's not difficult to do that, so don't be intimidated by it. Don't back away from it. Step in there with a good word. But instead of saying, I know how you feel, just simply say this. I don't know how you feel, and that's okay. It's amazing what it, what it does for somebody when you're there with them and you don't have the answers. When you're there with them and you don't know what they're going through, that gives them one little bit of encouragement that says, you do understand <laughs> what I'm going through because you've admitted there's a humility here. There's a lot that we can't even understand. In this verse it says, it's kind of awkward English, and the ESV is a little bit more wooden, it's a little bit more straightforward than the NIV. The NIV says, comforting others with the comfort we received. Comforting others with the comfort we received. Here it says, uh, we, we may be able to comfort those who are in an affliction with a comfort which we ourselves are comforted by god in each of these translations what what's being conveyed is something is happening to us that we didn't do something is is coming to us in that place of humility don't rush people past the gap of humility because in that place is where god can meet us and we can receive a comfort which only he can provide Number two, don't rush people past the pain of a gap. Don't rush them past the humility of a gap. But don't rush them past the pain of a gap because the pain is what can wake us up to a peace that passes understanding. Pain, as as someone said, pain is God's megaphone that wakes up a sleeping world. Pain is important. I remember uh, Benjamin uh, when he was really young. He reached up, and uh, we told him, "Watch out! There are fries there, and it's hot." And they were the, the French fries were on this pan, and he reached up and he grabbed the fries, and it just burned his uh, his wrist. And uh, and so for the next week, he was pointing at the burn on his wrist, going, "Fries?" <laughs> I think he. I said, "No, it's not fries. It's fried. You're fried." <laughs> he was a terrible father. Terrible parenting advice there. But, but pain is important because it's a warning system, right? It says, watch out. Be careful. Sometimes pain tells us that something is wrong internally, like, like there's, there's something, uh, like there's some, some injury, and be careful, don't make it worse, okay? So pain is, is really important. We need to pay attention to pain. It has a message to us, and, and it's an important message, and it's a compassionate message. That things will not be worse. Pain has a message that this world is not as it should be. Whenever I'm in a place where people are experiencing unspeakable pain, when, they're, when I'm standing in a place, even in a place, a dark place with them, I remember... That even in the darkest pain, God is speaking. You're in a world that is broken. Don't rush past that. Don't rush past the pain. The incredible message there in the midst of that pain is that he intends us for more. C.S. Lewis said, Do fish complain of being wet? Think about that. Do fish complain of being wet? This was a joke. This was a joke, okay? So maybe I pivoted too fast. It's like we're talking about the dark place and now. Do fish complain of being wet? Laugh. No. Think about that. Do fish complain of being wet? Why would we complain? Why would we be so uncomfortable in a broken world unless we were meant to be fully healed in a way that this world cannot heal? Why would we be so uncomfortable and ill at ease with the brokenness of this world unless God intends for us to give us a hunger for a peace that passes understanding. It's a rhetorical question that says because he has intended us for a better world. He has intended us for a peace that passes understanding in this one. So don't rush people past the pain. Because in the pain, God speaks his peace that passes understanding. <laughs> Bonhoeffer put it this way he said, Nothing, he, Bonhoeffer, I, I need to tell you who he is. He, he was a, a pastor, a prophet, and a spy. He was, uh, in World War II, he was, he was captured for a plot to assassinate Hitler. Uh, can you imagine, you know, Schuyler, you know, in his, his, his plot to assassinate Hitler, right? Okay, this was a man who, I'm just picking on Schuyler because I didn't want to pick on me, but this was an amazing man who, uh, who, uh, who, who saw evil and stepped towards it, and as a result, he was captured, and he was put into a, a, a Nazi concentration camp, and he said this, nothing Can fill the gap when we're away from those we love. It is nonsense to say that God fills the gap. He does not fill it, but keeps it empty so that our communion with one another may be kept alive even at the cost of pain. That's true in terms of our relationship with God as well. What is He doing in the painful gaps? Verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we shall share abundantly in comfort too. Jesus did not come so that we would not suffer. Jesus did not come so that we would not suffer. He did not come to suffer so that we would not suffer. He came So that when we suffer, we might find a peace that passes understanding. A peace that brings us to the end of ourselves and brings us new life. Life eternal and life abundant. Sometimes pain is what wakes up a sleeping world. Don't rush people past the pain. Because in it, that's where God sometimes can shout beyond what our ears can hear. Finally this, don't rush people past the circumstances of the gap, because in the circumstances, when, when instead of working on the circumstances, we let the circumstances work on us, we can find a strength that's greater than ourselves and intended for someone else. Don't rush people past the circumstances, right? Don't rush them past the circumstances of the gaps. Because when we, instead of of working on the circumstances, we need to let the circumstances work on us to strengthen us so that that strength can be lent to someone else. Uh, I I heard a story about a, you've probably heard this story, but it's a beautiful image of a butterfly who's struggling to get out of its, its cocoon or its chrysalis. And he watched it for a while, watched it struggle for about a half an hour, and it, it was only able to, to kind of prick a pinhole in this little cocoon. And in its little feelers were, were sticking out a little bit. And he felt sorry for it. And it, it was sitting there, and it wasn't moving for a while. It was exhausted, evidently. And so he took some scissors, and he kind of cut it open a little bit and, and, and helped this butterfly uh, emerge from its cocoon. But what he didn't know and he found out later as he watched this poor little uh, <laughs> pathetic creature climb out, its wings never fully developed because it's in that struggle to get out that, that transformation actually takes place, that, that, that the caterpillar is transformed fully and builds strength in its wings to fly. And so in assisting the this this caterpillar past the the pain and struggle past its circumstances he actually disabled this creature I, I hear this uh, uh, every now and then in, in smaller ways where parents are, are sometimes trying to protect. And I, I feel that. I feel that as a parent. We try to protect our kids from, from every painful thing. And w- we wonder how they're going to process things like the death of a peer or, or even hearing about it and the questions that come up. And we feel threatened by that. Recognize the opportunity that you have for them to struggle and wrestle under your roof. That it should happen with, with you and beside you and as a family. Recognize that, that those, those are important moments and seasons of your family's life. That while they're still with you, you can struggle together. And without all the answers, God can enter in, pre, be present with you in those times. And they can see that even when we don't have all the answers, yet faith prevails. See, Jesus, when he, when he was at Lazarus' tomb, he wept. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus. He understood. And yet he entered in. He didn't rush people past those circumstances. He recognized that there's a, a, a depth of sorrow that's so so prevalent and, and will come and come again. What are we to do with that? We are to grieve. We are to lament. And we are to put ourselves in a place where we can only receive a comfort. And and to let others live their own story in this. To know that God is at work in the stories of these people who have lost loved ones. And to recognize that that there's something very important, just as there's something important in that emerging uh, caterpillar butterfly. There's something transforming that God is able to do. This doesn't make... Those circumstances, good, it make they're still bad, but don't rush people past what God is doing, and sometimes can only do in those places of deep difficulty. I, I, I told you some weeks ago about, about 2019 and uh, being a year of maybe spiritual fitness. That uh, physical fitness is about is is the ability to meet the daily rigors of life without incurring a disabling a, a debilitating injury, right? The ability to meet the daily rigors of life without incurring a debilitating injury. That's physical fitness. What about spiritual fitness? What about your pains and struggles? What about uh, the circumstances that you cannot change? Viktor Frankl said this. He's another one who who saw the rawness of life in Nazi Germany. He said this, whoever has a why can bear up under any how. Whoever has a why can bear up under every, every how. He also said that when we can't change our circumstances, sometimes we, get, we let ourselves get to the place where the circumstances begin to change us. Comforting others with the comfort we received. Have you received that peace that passes understanding? Have you been in a place long enough? Have you let yourself linger in that place long enough that you've actually received a peace that you cannot explain? Such that you cannot rush in where angels fear to tread with a word that fixes it all, but but to step in there, to be present in the midst of other people's pain. I'll close with this. There's a a little little story about a guy who was dealing with grief and he said a friend of mine came and he spoke much about God's salvation about the hope of heaven about reasons for me to be buoyed in spirit and i could not wait for him to leave then a friend came he said little he listened much i was sad to see him go let's pray together holy god how we thank you That this meal before us speaks. In the silent places of the cross. In the gaps of Golgotha. You've spoken a word of salvation. Over each one of our lives. Such that anyone who would receive him. For those who call upon his name, he would give us the power to become children of God. So this morning, Lord, we come with our empty spaces, the interstices of life that that have no good reason. We lay them at the foot of the cross this morning. We pray that you would transform this simple meal into a place of power. That as we receive this bread and drink from this cup, we might experience a magnificent exchange of our sin for your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.